Hi, you're listening to Tales from the Jungle, Living with Addiction. This is a podcast written and produced by a mom of an addict, specifically for other families who live with and or interact with an addicted family member. How do we cope with the crimes that used to be on the outside have now invaded our home? It's one thing to watch shows like Chicago PD on television, but it's quite another to live that life. If you live with an alcoholic or drug addict, you know just what I mean. I can't solve the problem, but I can talk about strategies to think about. Welcome back, Jungle fans. My guilty pleasure is binging on reality podcasts. Many of us who listen may have different reasons for doing so. For me, it's about learning the psychology of people who commit these crimes, because maybe I can protect myself. Maybe I can learn their weaknesses or what I need to do in a difficult situation in order to protect myself. But what happens when that criminal behavior comes from the outside and lives in my house? How do I deal with it then? What It's not the same as listening on a podcast. Having to live with it day in and day out can be totally overwhelming. And I needed to learn strategies on what to do in order to protect myself, protect the rest of my family, and live as normal a life as I can. I still had to get up and go to work every day, take care of the rest of the family, cook dinner, all of the rest of the things, and try and not obsess over what's going on with an addict and criminal behavior and all of that. Let me step back for just a minute and give a little background on who I am. My bachelor's degree is in criminal justice from the number two rated college in the United States in that field. I also have over 30 years experience working in the legal field, first as a legal secretary, then as a paralegal. I've worked in banks as a trust officer. So my experience in working with families and dealing right in the nitty-gritty of what's going on is extensive. In fact, when I was in college, I participated in restorative justice, and it was an exploratory field where the local family court was diverting cases for juveniles, anyone up to 17 years old. If they were first-time offenders, they were allowed to choose to go the restorative justice route, which was to take the offender separately and talk to them about their crime and the impact it had on their family in them and the community, and then talk to the victim in the same way and then bring them together and in order to try and have a healing between the two, a conversation so that each side was able to understand what the other side was going through, the difficulties for the victim and the obstacles that the criminal had faced and making that decision. 
These discussions between the victim and the criminal were some of the most powerful that I have experienced. It was amazing to see the difference in how it helped the victim heal, how it helped the person who committed the crimes understand just the impact and maybe really have an impact on their future as far as whether or not they're going to reaffirm. I'm not suggesting that families should attempt to try and do this with the addict or person that's living with them because it it probably would not work. And it, it could be some of the psychology behind doing interventions. And sometimes those work, sometimes they don't. I'm not here to discuss those. But what I'm saying is I'm just trying to give a little bit of background to explain how I think and why I think a certain way. With the restorative justice program, those people were, as I said, juveniles up to about 17 years old. It was also their first offense. And so if you don't catch someone really early on in that time of committing crimes, you're not going to have much of an impact. They're going to find new and better ways to commit the crimes. They're going to not see any problem with their actions. And they also are going to look at you like you don't know what you're talking about because this activity is working for them. It's getting them what they want until it doesn't. And that's where I'm going with this whole thing is that until it doesn't. And that's super important for someone who is out there committing crimes and doing these things. And one of those is the consequences of those crimes, and that could be going to jail. Law enforcement can get involved for all kinds of reasons. After all, drugs are illegal. Alcohol is not, but getting intoxicated in public is. There's also the crimes that will finance buying the drugs, There are things like sometimes it's prostitution in order to afford being able to keep the habit. And then there's the other part of it, which is the abuse that when two people who are alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever live together, the chance of abuse is really high. And it's not just the man abusing the woman. It could go both ways. They both could be abusing each other. But there are so many tendrils to this whole problem and the idea of abuse and alcohol and drug abuse are all so intertwined that you have to unravel the whole thing. And part of that is counseling in order to get to the underlying problem, why they started their drug addiction in the first place. Now, if it was just for fun and it turned into something else, that's one thing. But what causes them to get so angry that when their inhibitions are released with drugs or alcohol, that it's okay for them to strike out at another person, whether it's you or their spouse or whoever, that's the real crux of the matter. And they have to recognize that that's a problem for them. It's not something that we can make them see, but they have to realize it themselves. And part of realizing that is what they start to lose through that behavior. 
For me, I know that I am not responsible to keep watch and make sure a family member is not committing a crime. I'm not responsible for that. They have their own responsibility in their actions. And I can't make them change. I also cannot go in and fix what they have done. All that does is encourage them to do it more. I will not reward bad behavior by making all the consequences go away. They need to face their own consequences. So what do I do with that guilt that I have when I see what they've done to other people in the community that I know it's my family member who's done something really bad and it's hurt other people. And again, it wasn't me. I can't take responsibility for that. It, they have to take it on themselves. And until I am willing to change myself and make sure that I don't do things to fix their problems they're never going to have a reason to change. They need to go serve time in jail. I can't bail them out for that. They need to do their own restitution if that's court ordered. Everything that they need to do, they need to do. I can be a support system and encourage them into counseling, but they need to find counseling on their own. I can be emotionally supportive of that decision, but it's on them whether they're going to be genuine with that counselor. So is there anything I can do to make them change their behavior? Nope, absolutely not. Not a single thing I can do to make them change. They have to want to change on their own. Now there are things I can do to not make things easier for them to continue with the bad behavior. I can make sure that I'm not giving them cash, not giving them means to divert their cash toward drugs or alcohol or whatever. They need to be working and supporting themselves. As long as I'm supporting them, they don't need to use their money for it, and they can go out and buy drugs. So I need to make sure that they are responsible for themselves, their lives. And that pretty much brings us back around into a full circle where they start stealing or doing other things against society to facilitate their habit. And so the cycle starts again, where they will do that for a while until they get caught. Because as the, when they're in their active addiction, they really don't seem to have much of a moral compass. They don't have an idea of right and wrong because all they can think about is their next fix, their next drink, whatever it is they're doing. And that means that they don't care if they steal or hurt other people. They hurt the people who are closest to them because it's easiest. Since I am one of those people, my responsibility becomes looking out for myself, making sure that I don't get so wrapped up in the whole thing that I am becoming an enabler again, that I am not so entwined in what they're doing that that rules my whole day. I need to continue with my life and I need to understand that no matter what they do, it's not a reflection on me. They are making their own choices. At some point in time, I've done my best teaching them as they grew up to do no right and wrong. And if they choose to do differently, that's on them. 
that has nothing to do with who I am or anything about me. I don't deny that their actions may be very embarrassing for me because my neighbors know who I am. They know who my kids are. They know about me. And if my child is doing something that is downright illegal or stealing from the neighbors or anything like that, it's so embarrassing. And it's all of those things. But I have to develop that thick skin where I understand that, yeah, this is a problem. I can commiserate with the neighbor, but it's up to my child to fix it. And they have to be willing to do that. And until they are, they're never going to be on the road to recovery. And I'm just going to promote them in their addiction. I have seen on news broadcasts in recent times that different states, different counties are trying to do different things to combat the opioid problem because it has escalated with the pandemic. Things have gotten so much worse with people being stressed out from being at home all the time. One of the things that they are trying is a drug take back. And that's asking people to get all the pharmaceutical drugs from their cabinets, turn them into their local law enforcement agency so that they don't get in the wrong hands. Well, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. I don't believe that's going to make a dent in the opioid problem. I believe that that opioid problem is more about street drugs, is more about when someone wants to get their hands on drugs, they're going to find a way because there's a million dealers out there and that's not in the bathroom of their household. They could get a few that way, but that's not enough to sustain a habit. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not telling lawmakers not to do things to combat it. I'm just saying that I think they need to get real about where the problems are. They need to get better health care better treatment centers, and better ways to combat it. One of the problems with the treatment centers is all the drug dealers know where they are. So they stand on the corner when someone gets out of a treatment center and says, hey, you're clean. This new high is going to be the best you've ever had. Here, let me give you a free sample so you can get back on it. And it works most of the time. And that's why 93 to 95% of people who go through rehab um end up relapsing, and then starting the whole process over again. I hope this discussion has been helpful and useful to you. I'll be back in about two weeks, and please leave a review at your local podcast site to help others find it if you find it helpful. Um, You can talk to me on Twitter at Chelsea's Jungle if you want to leave comments or questions or start a conversation. I'd be glad to respond. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Music is Riding the Dragon by Movie Theater.